Business as Unusual is a thought-provoking podcast that explores the innovative strategies, disruptive ideas, and unconventional practices driving successful leaders and companies in the ever-evolving world of modern business. Subscribe, comment, and share for weekly inspiration with our host, Aisela. Hi, this is Ayusla with Business as Unusual, and today I have a special treat for you. We have two guests, Dr. Destiny Reddick and Ronaldo Griffin, talking about Redefine the Pipeline. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks Hello. for having How us. You? So How happy you? to have you here. Awesome. I love your name. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm going right? to deviate from my normal introduction questions because mm-hmm. Ronaldo was just sharing some interesting things about music. And I'm hoping that he'll talk a little bit about that. Sure. Cool. Which is not fair because usually I don't, I let people decide. Essentially. Oh, but that, if that helps because it's a good correlation with what we're doing. So that's beautiful. I appreciate okay. you integrating. I heard you were at a conference around music. I don't know if that's what you want to talk about or. Uh, yeah. What? Yeah. So right now I'm at, I'm in Nashville at the CD Baby VIP exclusive experience. And this is just to further what we're doing as far as the music component, learning how to structure things better and reach our target audience and the people that they're helping as well, just through music and everything. Just trying to learn how to format a little bit better, too. That's where I'm at right now. Taking a little break. Exhausted. Drove down from St. Louis. I'm glad you're taking your break with us. And then, Dr. Destiny, do you... Do you have something you want to talk about with music or do you want me to ask you sure, a question? I can probably make the segue. I consider, I'm considering myself an equity champion, first and mm-hmm. foremost. And I think Ronaldo considers himself the same. So we actually met in high school, interestingly enough. Mm-hmm. And we have since as adults connected over this idea of equity because now as Black young professionals, I would say not even young anymore, right, Ronaldo? Yeah, we, even we, though we're uh, in the young category. Yeah, young, 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 until you decide you're not. That's the rule. I like that. See, I yeah. love that. Uh, we're seasoned. We're everything. seasoned. We're okay, seasoned. Right. We have yeah. a little seasoning on we're us. Spicy. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> we're spicy. Now like that we're that. spicy, we also have children. And so yes. to be a Black, spicy, seasoned professional And to see the world through a Black child's eyes, and this is already a scary world, we just connected and started seeing things differently and really wanting to serve uh, underserved student populations. I'm a trained educator, so I think kids are better than adults. Always (laughs) have, always will. Always will. I'm thinking about how our future generation, how can we really take away some of the barriers? I believe it's an opportunity gap, not an achievement gap. So how do we make things accessible? Our music is related to that because one yes. thing we noticed as we started think, like doing anti-racism work, we realized there's a huge mental health component. Mm-hmm. Huge. Mm-hmm. And because mental health is stigmatized in the Black community, some people don't know that. Mm-hmm. Mental health, it was, it's still, it's getting better, but you just don't talk about it in the Black yeah. community. And there's a lot of historical reasons behind that, religious reasons. Taught not to do it. Yeah. Just taught not to speak about what's going on in this household. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And because of that, we noticed a need. Not only are Black kids not achieving academically, but there's a lot of trauma rooted in poverty. And so there's a mental health concern. So we developed like a social emotional movement to Mm -hmm. teach kids about just talking about their feelings. And it's okay. And the language to use when you talk about that. And so Ronaldo made a rap song about yep. the language of the scholar moves 
So nice. Dr. Yeah. Destiny came to me with this concept called Scholar Moves, and she was like, we need a musical component. And a little background about myself, I was one of the kids, where we started from, I knew that I was one of the kids that needed this. And she's seen me from a long time. The transformation is real. It's almost like a tale of two cities. And so I was like, it makes way more sense for us to put it in a safe language, but also a more effective language. Because if I was to talk the way that they don't see, then the message is going to go way over their head. And I also want to make it ambiguous between boys and girls too. I didn't want it to make it just centered around someone like myself, because some of these young girls are having just as many issues, if not more, because they don't feel as protected or they don't feel like they can communicate the same way that some of us were taught not to. We were told just simply don't say you will, you man up, you'll do what you have to do. And young ladies were able to do a little bit more speak, but now that's even more hindered because they tell them, hey, just you got to be this, you got to be that. And they don't know how to be that, but they tell you, you have to be. The first song I decided to make was a song called You Got This. I wanted to make the message just so strong and all-encompassing versus uh, around all of the scholar moves because it's not enough. But we didn't want to just break it individually down so soon. We wanted to get an all-encompassed situation. So You Got This basically said, even though life gets tough, you got this. When the road gets rougher, you got this. Don't be afraid to ask for help. You got this. Believe in yourself and you got this. And that's the chorus. And then we just go into a lot of affirmations and the language that we want to, you know, the language that we want them to just be able to use and say, oh, I can use the same language and then I can expand upon it. So, yeah. yeah. And it gives them the it gives them the starter kick to be able to kick off. Because, like I said, coming up, we weren't really that versed in how to communicate ourselves. Uh, I was more invested in being a little bit more physical, not on purpose, but that was just how you got your emotions out and your anger. And that's how you got your, your misunderstandings. Your fight with your fist. Out. That was and you fight, fight with your fist and like that. Yeah. And it went a little further than that sometimes because people yeah. weren't able to, they were afraid of the back end. They were like, okay, I need to get this over immediately. So it transitioned to some other things. And also, there's economic deficiency Mm -hmm. so sometimes we only had like myself had certain ways to create revenues because i've been i've literally been taking care of myself financially for i mean since that time and there are not that many opportunities and of course you go to the path of least resistance but it was more dangerous all of these things combined in with the pressures of sometimes i'm sitting in class and they're telling me okay one plus one equals two but i'm thinking about okay I have enough that I have to get out here and get home with the money that I have. Just, I'm not trying to speak in code, but I'm just trying to make sure that people get a better understanding of. It's called where... Maslow's Before Blooms. I'll put the yeah. theory behind it for you. Ma- See, this yeah, is why thank we you. Because she has the common sense street experience. Yeah. And me, myself, my background is I was always the only black girl in the class. Mm-hmm. We came together on this commonality of the black experience. And how rooted in poverty all this inequity is. It's more than, and that's why the anti-racism work that we try to support, it really goes beyond color. Not that color is not important. Because when I walk in a room, the first thing is that I'm black. So don't deny it. That's not a bad thing. But it's really the poverty element. As an educator, I've been in so many different school districts. And one thing I can tell you is that poverty is at the core of the inequities that we see, especially with children. 
And as you get more opportunity, you get older, right? Sometimes you can break free. But as a child, you're limited you to your environment, right? Yeah, you can control it. So we it. connected over this whole idea of equ equity mm -hmm. from different lenses. But that's one thing I really want to support is the fact that anti-racism is still relevant. You know why? Because mental health. Mental health. That's the thing. That's the element that connects us off. We look at all of these. There's almost a school shooting, it seems, every month. Every week, and another yeah. thing <laughs> that rocked us to our core, Ronaldo and I, we, I said we went to the same high school, right? Mm -hmm. There was a school shooting recently at the high school where we attended and graduated we attended. from. Wow. Yep. Yep. In St. Louis. I don't know if you heard about Orlando Harris. That was our high school. Wow. That was our high school. That and was so the we went to we Texas recently because it, it shocked us so much that we went to the 100 Black Men Conference mm -hmm. and we presented a presentation called the School to Suicide Pipeline mm -hmm. instead of the School to Prison Pipeline because we're not realizing the mental health concerns. that We used to think that suicide was a white kid problem. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing you think about. You think about all oh, that. You look at the stats. They do something called a trap 18 for every someone that does a school shooting. It's like a whole profile. profile. They do it like they analyze all these factors and try to come up with patterns to try to predict. Right. Yeah. And there are more and more black male shooters. And they fit the profile almost to, to the team nowadays. They, that didn't we, profile. Why? Uh, yeah. Because our kids are struggling and yes. racism is a bigger part of it than what people realize. Poverty mm -hmm. and racism are a bigger part of mental health concerns than I think people realize. So until yes. we get to the core of racism, guess what? Like I say in my first blog post, school bullets aren't racist. Mm. They don't see color. Yeah. Mm. So if mm. we can't even get you, like we have to be able to cross gender, racial, religious lines to strategize. Yes. Period. Yeah. That's why people at the end of the day still relevant. Yeah. yeah. We have to come together and as yeah. a white person, white people have to take responsibility for the ways in which white supremacy has taken hold and we have to counter it. If we don't take that on and take action, then things aren't going to get better. And the, it, the thing like uh, there's a guy who said this, if black people could solve racism, it'd be solved. That's the problem. It's not going to be solved until <laughs> we show up at the table and actually acknowledge both the privileges that we've had. And the power that we have to make a change. Mm -hmm. And we all have to come together in class solidarity against yes. the rich. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Who so are you. actually, I feel like they, they are really good money related. They, yeah, they're trying to, they it's keep economical. us separated. Absolutely. And we, Any you know, way possible. Yeah. And we're trying to survive. So you get all this, you're there like, you're dead, blah, blah, blah. And the next thing you know, you're 37 or 45 or like, what's going on? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And we have to make time and we actually have to make the time. That is why it's important to be a daily anti-racist. It's something you have to, it's not just a term like woke. It's not a thing. Became, like woke became. It's not a, it's not yes, a check. It's, 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 it's a lifestyle. Work. You have to like, make this a yeah. ingrained. And it's not yeah, it's not and black people have to do it too. Guess what? Black yeah. people have to do it black too. Black so people that, have to do it too. That's another part that we have. That's the approach that we're taking. Yeah. It's because this work is for everyone. It looks different. Right. Anti-racism work looks different if you're a black mm -hmm. person versus a white person versus an indigenous person. Think about BIPOC just in yeah. general. It looks different. Mm -hmm. And depending on your intersectionality, too, like mm -hmm. complex, mm -hmm. it looks different. The work looks different, but you have to push through it. Yeah. Got to make time for it. And I would say my observation is that black people in general, 
yet we all have, we're born in this white supremacy society. So we're all infected with the cult, like we have to decolonize our minds or however we want to talk about that. But also, but you, but black people bear Mm. the burden. They already know Mm. shit is messed up. They don't have to be convinced there's a problem. We have microaggressions that I sometimes point out and they like, "Hmm, I didn't see that. And it's okay. Why would I just say that? It's not. And then that furthers people. It's really, Mm -hmm. but when you put it in someone's face and they still don't acknowledge it, that's just as bad because now you don't give it validity that there is a problem so we can't find a solution. And that's right. why you and, have to take away all the excuses. So that's why I hate to go back to my blog. But oh, the whole idea mm. is I lead with stories. Yes. Mm-hmm. Lead with stories and I call them real encounters of hidden racism. Because mm. till we make, and you make a great point, Ronaldo, and I'm glad you brought that up. But until we take the excuses away, you technically can still say you don't understand. Because hidden, it's not your experience and it's hidden and it's intentionally hidden. That's what's killing us as a people. It's not the explicit racism anymore. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's the hidden, hidden mm-hmm. racism that was designed to hide. Like when mm-hmm. black girls don't see black dolls on TV. And right. I talk about that. My, like that was a big thing for me as a child. Like I'd see the black, the chocolate skin dial. That's what I called it. I'd see the chocolate skin dial the last three seconds of the commercial. Mm-hmm. And then every time I went to the store, guess what? There were no chocolate skin dolls. Yep. So what did that do to me as a little girl? It's invisible. Yep. But if you never knew that or experienced it, right. technically you can don't understand. So we have to start to connect through stories and give BIPOC people that platform. Well, we'll swing back to the mental health component because we're really great at analyzing what this because this is multi-layer. It's a multi-layer onion. But we have to start showing people seeking solutions as far as like, the mental health component. I went through a lot of traumas. We'll go through some stories later on, but they became normal for us. And so when I got older and I took a little bit more assault therapy, because that was also a thing that we said, that's white people stuff. Absolutely. The things that, well, you know, and, and I, the, one of the analogies that I do hold on to is if you want to have a better jump shot, even Michael Jordan had a basketball coach. Mm. So, you know, I was doing well in my life. I knew there was some blockades. I'm like, something's not, I can't understand how to get through this. And so when I saw the ther- a therapist, one of the bigger things I was looking for also was somebody that was relatable to me, not just a therapist, but more of a black male therapist. And I was able to find one, but I had to dig it and it was hard. And so when I did find them, we were able to unpack when I had a lot of blockades. I didn't open up as, as initially because we're taught to shut up, sit down, be a man, be a, but we didn't have examples. Of, I didn't have examples of men around me. I had examples of males around me. But I didn't have any men around me. So when I was just, I had to be perfect in this world because we're competing with everything. And we're also having to bring hold and take position in that we didn't even see. Yeah. So I saw therapy. And when I started realizing, oh, my God, everything was a facade if you really wanted. But I lived it real life. And that comes in mental health, too, because you cannot disseminate what's real and what's not because you Go to any neighborhood. I'll use the neighborhood I, I grew up in in St. Louis. We had dilapidated buildings. We had no jobs around. We had fatherless homes. We had people, some people just, were just out on the streets, just there. We have a, home, a bad homeless population everywhere, but this was different. These were people you actually knew and you thought well of, but these people just had nothing going on. So that all weighs on your psyche. And when you start telling people to develop properly, it's, I don't even know what that means. Exactly. And then combine that with food deserts. Oh, yeah. We didn't have, we didn't have a store. We had corner stores. 
Mm-hmm. We got all yeah. these little black boys in classrooms, and I'm an educator. So then I see mm-hmm. them all lined up outside the classroom getting kicked out, which means they're further not learning. Yep. Mm-hmm. And this is what we're doing, but we're not thinking about the system and the environment where they live, where, the, where it's disinvested, where businesses just straight up leave. They so leave they, all you know, that there. You already have a have car access. that doesn't drive. How do you get car. there? And how are you going to drive to get to a decent job? So we're mm-hmm. setting its design. And until we stop calling it critical race theory mm-hmm. and start calling it that, we're now. not going to be able to deal with it as a people of all colors. Well, theory the gives it true. a ghost element. It gives it a ghost element when you say yeah. that. Because I actually was able to see it. And that's what makes our, our mission so strong because it's, yes, we have formal education, but we have practicality and understanding. Okay. Both of us are well-versed in this situation. So we know the needs of not just black boys, not just black girls, but also the people that we are looking to come join this fight. We need them to understand too and understand them as well. Because if you're not speaking a certain language, then you're not going to reach anybody. I don't care. Black, white, yellow, red, it doesn't matter. And because, like, we were just talking about the microaggressions and all those things. If I say, yeah, such and such did this, and that didn't seem too bad to me, of course mm-hmm. it doesn't because you don't understand how that affects me because you don't, you may even do it, but you don't know consciously that's an offense to me. No. Then let's change that situation. Let's flip it now. Because okay. here's the strategy of our movement with anti-racism. It's just not okay. typical anti-racism. You have oh. to lead with stories. If we don't connect, and I facilitated like so many equity talks that now I can compare, right? Mm-hmm. Like different things I've done it and I'm a dork and I like data. So like I've noted <laughs> that if I don't lead with the connection piece with whatever cohort, first of all, you need a cohort model to really make it effective. But like with yeah. whatever cohort it is, if I don't lead with stories and we just are like, we're just going to talk, talk about our background, your race story will emerge and everyone mm-hmm. has, whether you're white or whatever, maybe you grew up in never saw a black person until you went to college, right? I, I was their yep. sister, so I would see those kids and they would walk in like I was a unicorn. But everyone has like a perspective. And if you don't start there, you have no frame to connect to. And you're yeah. more likely to get offended by what somebody says. Mm-hmm. Know their story. Yep, so we have to do it differently. We have yes. to connect over beyond our differences first. And then we can sit at the table and strategize. Absolutely. Yeah, that connection does seem really key. Can you share a little bit about if I am, I'm perusing and I'm like, I want to contact, redefine the pipeline. What am I contacting you for? Let's see, what are you going to do, show up and do? I call it equity and education, coaching and consulting. That's another thing I believe in. I, a lot of people like call themselves consulting, consultants, but I provide equity support in any avenue, but sometimes that requires coaching. Not just mm-hmm. consulting. Consulting is very direct. I'm bossing you around. Do this, do that. But coaching is I'm getting you to have those aha moments. Mm-hmm. I'm facilitating those learning moments. And that is more effective when you're working with things, with organizations with equity, because That's it's very true. people-based. So mm-hmm. to just direct and consult, to me, doesn't always make sense with equity work. But I also provide education services, anything from keynote speaking to helping with retention and figuring out why you can't keep your diverse employees. Oh, I'll figure it out for you. I can probably, I can probably leave it for anything <laughs> equity education related. I support organizations, schools, school systems, and universities also because I have a higher yes. ed background. Yep. So that's what she would be contacting us for. I, you were talking about the invisible side of things and I, I re, and I'm also a dork. I just apologize. 
Me too. good. I was reading a book that I do a lot of work with indigenous communities, and I came across the reality that the Holocaust and the system for how the Jews were processed and murdered was based on two things in American law, Jim Crow and uh, the way we handled the Native American population. And there's a book mm. called Hitler's American Model, which lines it out because Nazis were really good at keeping notes. They were the best bureaucrats. So there are meetings where they were talking about our laws and how they went, thought they went too far, but they were really good at creating the inferior second class status for mm. indigenous and black people and immigrants. That was the other one. And that's what they mm. modeled the first Nuremberg declarations off of was us. And so... Oh. When you talk about that, the invisibility and the system of it, like something that I always try to count, not with you, obviously, but with other folks who maybe aren't as aware, is it, it's not an unconscious bias. It's actually cultivated. It's a I'm cultivated cool. system of destruction, but it's really it it's hard because it's, I get it. As a person who was educated at our white supremacy boot camp, it took me a long time. Like I get my friends and I are, we talk about it. We're like so mad. We never learned about the Tulsa bombings and murders. We never mm. learned about reparations. Like I just, That's why you guys have to go through the piss stage. Yeah, we had you, to go through all oh, of that learning. Pissed when you start. <laughs> yep. Right? And I'm like, yep. what are you talking about? I see it. Yeah. It you have to leave now, space but... for that. I had yeah. sophomores who were learning to be teachers, and they wouldn't even say, like, the first week we talked about systemic racism in schools in that course. And they wouldn't even say black or white for the first three, four weeks. They were scared to say it. Mm-hmm. And then you start... They start reading things like the making of Ferguson and they watching the Del Mar Divide, which is about res- residen- residential segregation in St. Louis. And they get pit. Yeah. Because it's like I and I see it in your face. Yeah. Uh-huh. And like when they, you were talking about the critical race theory, it had this moment of they want to be accepted theory. They like my white buddies who don't get it. And yet and it is facts and it's not it's hard to. It's almost unbelievable, though. Yes. Like, how was this just sitting here and I didn't know? So we well, I know about, why. You mentioned, you mentioned Ferguson a little bit. So the disillusion, I call it disillusion of Ferguson. I've been a resident going on 11 years now. And so, yeah, Ferguson is about. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> so let me give you a little bit of intricacies about being in that town while that was going on. They made it seem like it was where I grew up at. I'm going to tell you, that is one of the most quiet most peaceful communities that I have ever lived. That's why I've been there for a fourth of my life. (laughs) Because it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I live in Old Town, Ferguson East. And when we had the unrest that they spoke about. We're talking about about Michael Brown, by the way. Yeah, we're talking about the Michael Brown. Okay, cool. So the the unrest that, that, that was portrayed was really from you know, the law enforcement and everything because the citizen and, 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 and it's, but this is one of the key things I want to talk about was I had a neighbor named Joe. He stayed across the street. He was a white man. And we were outside. We, it was a lot going on. This was in the early makings of before everything like got just blue powder kid type situation. And we were standing outside talking to each other. He's on one side of the street. I'm on the other side of the street. And we had, by this time they had called in the national guard and everything. So we see them do helicopters over. This is like night two, night three. And the helicopters were over. So we're just talking about how crazy things are. And all of a sudden, here we see a Humvee coming down, making a left down the street. And he and I just standing looking, and they stop. And they look over at him, and then they look over at me, and they ask me, where am I supposed to be? And one thing that I will credit Joe highly about, 
he uh, first of all he talked to that man like I couldn't talk to him because I probably wouldn't be here right now. Yeah. But he gave him an understanding of hey, he owns that house. He's mm-hmm. supposed to be here. Where you supposed to be? And mm-hmm. so the guy was trying to calm him down. And he was like, I'm not calming down. You literally mm-hmm. just sent her to ask this man where he's supposed to be. And that was Excellent the whole the thing. Privilege. It was, but yeah, the good thing. But you know what? It helped, and it also made me feel. It made me feel high and low at the same time. Yeah, because I was like, Ooh, and it wasn't the officer. It was just because he knew what he could do. Yeah, and I knew what I could not do, even yeah. though I was more than wrong. I was more than right by standing on my property, and he, and was questioned. And I was in in house shoes and some gym shorts. And I looked like I wasn't doing anything outside of just talking to my neighbor, but wow. it was just that this little, so I'm a truck driver by trade, being out in the world and people would ask for my ID. First thing they would do is see Ferguson, Missouri on there. Mm. And they would ask me things like, how was it? How was it? You and I'm survived. like, I, I yeah. guarantee you it's better than your neighborhood. <laughs> Ferguson is beautiful. It's, that it's, was so interesting. It, it was so interesting how that was. I, ta- because, I was teaching in Ferguson when all that happened. And like people, right there in Hazelwood. Yeah, it's, it's a neighboring county. And what, ha- what ended up happening with past that was we had people coming in from all over, from Indiana, because they would come knock on my door. We wanted to study the area. I said, how about this? What's that? First of all, the incident, rest in peace to Mike Brown, that incident was not even in the city of Ferguson. It was in the neighboring county, but they just didn't have a big enough police force. So that's yeah, who responded sure. to the situation. So the media was able to tear that all the way through. And I'm giving a little bit more context because it's told like it's a battleground. And when I tell you it's not, that yeah. they would not let so many people in and out so all that unrest was almost un impossible for the citizens to do because there were so wow. many but we couldn't even yeah. get to our own houses i want to put some context out where people don't know where this is or where is this because like i said sometimes disillusion is not on purpose and i would encourage y'all to read the making of ferguson too because i think it. a lot of reason that people were pissed because it was some people pissed because i'll tell you i was, yeah, like, I was mad yeah. Now, I wouldn't have been violent, you know what I mean, unless you came for me. But, and I would have been defending myself because I get stand your ground too. Do I get it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ain't Sam. <laughs> I ain't going to have it. Won't start with it. it. No. <laughs> but I think the, I know that some of the upset and just the being pissed off. If you read The Making of Ferguson, that's why they highlight Ferguson because mm-hmm. everything hit ahead. And there's a mm-hmm. reason why they wanted to make it seem like a war zone. Everything, mm-hmm. once you read it, I call it an equity by design. And I use oh, that wow. term from Zaretta Hammond, who an studies culturally design. responsive teaching and pedagogy. But she has a whole graphic on it. Inequity by design. And that's what I felt like you were just picking up on. Yes. Aisila. <laughs> Did I say it right? Aisla. Yes. We were trying to practice it before. Yeah, we were practicing. The, the law was throwing us off. The law. We couldn't get the L. We wanted to say Aisha. Aisha. Oh, we still black, right? That's so beautiful. We couldn't do the love, but it's like. We were practicing. That's what you were talking about. Inequity is designed. It's intentionally designed. If you read the redlining, all of that was baked. Ferguson was one of the models. Oh, yes. Intentional. Residential segregation, residential mm-hmm. discrimination, and that's the core of where everything started. Yeah, you couldn't be there. With, you couldn't be there. with housing. Well, you don't have the whiteness. And that is when we don't live near each other. We don't know each other. Mm-hmm. We no, don't interact. Yeah. And then we don't, like you said, yeah. that we're not connected. So yep. then it's more theoretical. 
Yeah, it's only a racism happens, but I don't see it. Because yeah, I, I live in you know, Chesterfield. That's where right. I live. It's like I watch TV life. shows of black characters. Doesn't yeah, that count? I know like, person. I yeah, I know, yeah, I know one. He's really yeah. <laughs> a black actor. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's right, all you right, need. Right. We had a black president, so racism was solved. There you <laughs> go. It's on with. You got one. There you go. Now it showed the racism. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah, people a lot of times want to meet someone and we have a little time to talk. And they want to always bring up that black segment in their life. Like it's relatable to me. And I'm like, do not do that to me. Do not. Yeah. I had a guy, he was a real cool guy. Like I'm like, we're supposed to be some brutes out here just messing up stuff, but you found one. And so you seem cool. So you guys, there are good black people. So problem solved. No, that don't do that. That leads us into our podcast that we're doing. Yes. So yeah. Okay. I was going to get this segue. Yeah. I'm excited for it. It's It's called Ratchet. Oh, ratchet nice. scholars. So define ratchet. Kind of Some people don't know what the terminology is, and that was one thing we were wanting to make sure we define. So ratchet is it used to be a negative term, like we always slip a lot of things, but now it's like about the fun and about the recklessness. And we have those elements, but then the scholars is almost like an oxymoron, but we get to talk about both sides of the coin. We don't get to talk about just professionalism. We get to talk about letting your hair down and sometimes being a little little irresponsible. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But it's not on the negative term. It's just more of fun. It's like celebrating your culture, really. Yes. And taking back the things that people say are too hood and too ghetto and making it work for you. And it defines us. do that. Yeah. It defines the two of us. It's hood or ghetto just because it's part of Black culture. So yeah. I think that's what we're trying to say. And we're still engaged civically. And there's this huge segment of Black folks our age. People need to hear us, our voice, and we're amplifying our voice. Like, we are yes. connected civically. We are. We are smart, yeah. but we are also we, ratchet. We're ratchet. We are also going to participate in our culture. We are also, we're done. We're unapologetically Black. Like black, yes. Yeah, and, like, it's okay. We're not apologizing for it. It's okay. You can be both and. And also, it's so entertaining for people when you think about the, the way that we're portrayed. It's always in a fun but negative light, right? So we're saying, okay, that stuff is still there, but we're still trying to put practical you know what I'm saying? We're, we're making sure that you all know it's not just a symbol jumping job. No, it's not a yeah. character. This yeah. is really how we are. But also, we build foundational, solid foundations on those things. We're multi-dimensional. We're not just this or that. We're all of it. It talks about relatable topics. Some things might be taboo. Some things that people might not have a little bit light on. But we get to talk about professionalism. We get to talk about parenting we get to talk about childhood traumas we get to talk about childhood triumphs yeah we're just keeping it all the way real yeah and one thing i think for white listeners if you're like why would i listen to that well what's going to appeal to me i think that there's huge power in connecting with just very authentic black people and i think we were talking about this and not all Mm -hmm. we were talking about this in our book talk i have a list of podcasters telling dr destiny that because I've been podcasting for a while, I have a little bit of an addiction. I love it. And yeah. some of the guys in the network that I was in, they were some black guys, I want to say back in Baltimore, who huh. did a podcast that was everything you would talk about at a barbershop. And which you guys, right, I was just like, why a barbershop? You talk about some That's stuff. That's how you learn. And, that, and yeah. white people yeah. will get a notebook down and start writing because I mean, black you, people are free and we yeah. don't care we white people talk. are around. And yep. then you don't have to like whole different language. And it takes away because like you were saying, like people learn and then they're curious. 
And you have to tell, don't go up to the first black person that you see and ask them how they felt about Obama or this, whatever. Yeah, Yeah. They don't represent the community and maybe they're on the way to work. But you could turn on a podcast. You could turn on the Ratchet Academics. Is that what you say? Ratchet Scholars. Ratchet Scholars. Or you could turn on, there's multiple ones that are barbershop based that I found that are fun. And it's really interesting because then it's, I can learn without intruding into someone's space because they're putting it out there. For everybody. You don't feel like you're abusing someone unintentionally. Yeah. Eric Dyson yeah. calls that men- mentors of color. Michael Eric Dyson. I got the chance Shout to interview to him one time. And he wrote yeah. Tears We Cannot Stop a Sermon to White America. I recommend it mm-hmm. to any person, black, white, any color, brown, green. Mm-hmm. It's a great read. That's and he true. really breaks it down. And he his background is he is a minister. I don't know if he's a minister. I get the levels wrong. But he's mm-hmm. got that ministry background. So it's very, mm-hmm. you feel like you're in a black church. It was a sermon. It was a sermon. Scholarly. Yep. It's the sermon. That's why he yep. calls it that. But he talks about a concept called mentors of color and how mm. critical it is if white people are doing this anti-racism work, which is really on y'all to dismantle this shit. Because we it's can't. Fair. It's based on power. We don't have it. But like having that connection with at least a few black people that you're very close to, because then you get that barbershop element yep. that you need. I mean, yeah. So yes, you can you figure out it. what the hell you're doing that's offending Jackie at work. Why does she respond like this? Why did he respond like this? Why does Jackie get up and have an attitude yeah, and walk yeah. out and come in the lunchroom? You're going to learn is, why. You're going to be like, and it, yeah. Wait, and yeah. you take responsibility for it. Like, yeah. I'd say I have a friend. I really admire her. She's instinctively just very good at this. And she's oh. a white lady. Okay. And she was working. She works as a respiratory therapist. And there was a, she was telling me this story. And I was like, man, I wish more people were like you. And so there were two women at the work, one of both named Kim, one of them was Asian. And so some of the people at her work started referring to her in a way that was inappropriate. And my friend was like, I don't want you to do that around me ever. Mm. And they and and she's interesting, like the black and brown people around her. It wasn't offensive per se, but it was just inappropriate. They were not calling instead of calling her Kim, they were calling her something Kim. I don't want to say because I don't want to perpetuate things. But what's interesting to me is she was talking to me about it and she said, I I was very clear, like anytime someone would say that around me, I was like, no, you can't see you have to say her name or say her last name. Yeah. And then and she said that the black and brown people she worked with would push back a little bit and be like, you got to have a thicker skin. And she was like, no, I don't. I don't want no, I anyone don't. to think that I'm OK it's with okay. casual racism. She doesn't call it microaggressions. She calls it casual racism. She says, I don't like, want anyone to think I'm OK with racism. Racism. Because they're not racism. micro, honey. Yeah, she just calls what? it casual racism. And then the other thing she did, she, I know, she, you will, I'm, we're going to hang out at some point. I'm oh sure of it. God. And I will do but she's, I don't tolerate casual racism. I don't want it around me. I want them to feel uncomfortable being that way in front of me. And she's just, I want them to I think am. I'm on their team because I'm not. Exactly. Remember, you said the moral authority part, yeah. like mm-hmm. how white women can just set the tone or white. Yeah. I love yeah. exactly. And so that's where it's. And she just is that person. She just figures that stuff out. And but I'm just like, if more people had that in their space yeah. and we're like, oh, because we it's not just about acknowledging, but it's also saying, I'm going to take this on right. and say, I'm not OK. Even period. at Easter, when Uncle Joe is okay. drunk and then he says some crazy oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. No, no. yeah you know, you got to be consistent. Yeah, and that, exactly. Yeah. It's hard. And I get it. It's not hard. I'm going to take the excuse away. But there it's comfortable. And it's you lose friends. You're going to lose yep. family and friends. And that's hard socially. Yeah. Like that social piece, I feel like it's, for some reason, age of social media, we're all effed up. And we care mm. so much about what other people think. 
And so losing family and friends, because yeah. you will, and you're you supposed will. to. People yeah, are not on your the program. Right you're going to lose some people. It's but that happens in life, right? But they right. might come back. Yeah. They back. They might come back. They always they come read back. our blog. If they, if they read my blog, subscribe. What is the yes. thing do their work? That's the thing about a boundary, right? Like it's not, you're not saying I am, I, you're bad. What you're saying is this behavior is not acceptable in my space. Here. Yep. If yep. you choose to change your behavior, I, well, you're allowed, you're acceptable as a human. I love you as flawed as you are because I'm flawed and I screw up, whatever. I'm just not allowing that behavior in my space. That's 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 it. So when you want different behavior and you can show that, I, there's also obviously reparations in terms of the behavior. You can't just say it and then not show up particularly, but I feel like that. Yeah. I feel like that's something people don't understand is yes, you lose people. What if I used to be Mormon and I left that religion? No, you did not. Oh, we're hanging out. (laughs) Oh, I did. Okay, I left all and, stories. Oh my gosh, no, we totally have to do that. And when I left, I there were people that didn't want to have anything to do with me. You are brave. And I was just like, I can't be somebody that I'm not. Be, but I want this friendship. I thought we had a real friendship. And I think that's what you're talking about, actually, is yeah. it's that of, oh, I thought we had a relationship that was beyond you approving of me in a certain way. Me, but, but actually, you need me to fit this rule. It's a conditional. Yep. And that's, and it wasn't like I need, and so that, that to me is, that's life. You make a choice to commit yourself to a value or a path and some people aren't going to come along with you and it's a bummer. Yeah. Do you want to squish yourself into nothing so that they feel good? Yeah. One of my mentors, she says, she said this so often. She says, everybody can't go. Yeah. And I used to think it was only one dimensional when we were doing until I started looking around the room and started realizing how much of a utility I was to people. And when I didn't, I w- when I wasn't fulfilling their expectations, they would feather away. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. It's not about that. It's not about just them. It's about me removing myself mm-hmm. from that situation, too. So when she said everybody can't go, I was like, mm-hmm. wow. And everybody, she said also, everybody's here for a reason and a season. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, these profound, I guess I call them proverbs. I don't care what nobody says. These things are profound because they all encompass. And also this here, everybody's not going to get this. No, Everybody's no. not going hard. to get this. And, yeah, and but, but you also don't want, you want to have some people to be examples to show people what not to do as well. It's not about yeah, learning what to do. You yeah, need those. Yeah, yeah, you need those, those teach people. more. Look at the research. They teach yep. kids more showing the non-examples. Non-examples, like, yeah. Models of work. Now my research education is coming. That's, awesome. so that's a I part of that. Yeah. yeah, that's that negative to positive. But you got to realize. We attach to negative stuff. Our yeah. brains mm, wired. That makes sense. Well, yeah. yeah. And we shy away from negative most of the time. That's how we are wired. We, we shy it. away from it. Yeah. Yes. We it's see it like, oh, go this way. But I also got to say, threat. hey, yeah. that is what it is. Look at that. Uh-huh. So we don't want every, in a perfect world, everybody would be just synonymous. But we all have different desires, different goals, different outlooks and that's fine but i don't try to change people per se i also want to change the environment of which we lay this type of because we got babies to think about and none of us and those children are the center of redefine the pipeline is the are the children yeah that's why it's called redefine the pipeline redefine the pipeline school to prison pipeline and that's why i mean that because it's just thinking about deficit pipelines and it's not just education deficit pipelines and what i mean by that is like when you're Think of a pipeline, right? You just go straight through. There's no other route. So when you're frontaled right into a pipeline that leads to deficit negative outcome, Mm -hmm. that's not just education. There's housing, 
pipelines, I mean, right? It's, it's all economical. Let's There's call it health, what it is. Right? But it's mm-hmm. just straight pipelines. But we don't want to, people say dismantle the pipeline. We want no, pipelines. Please. We want straight pass, but we want them to success. We have to redefine. We, we have to asset redefine. Outcomes. So that's why I argue yes. we should redefine the pipeline. Yes. Dismantle them. We want yes. people to go straight, have the opportunity to go straight there. Yeah. Because what's the alternative? If you eliminate the pipeline, what's the alternative? We're and that's a lot here. of time where people don't move because they don't have direction. an alternative. Yeah. yeah. Most people look at, okay, you want me to stop this, but what do I replace it with? We're That's what that's how we're made up. And when you realize that's where the core comes in, it's okay. We recognize going from K through 12 is the many elements so that the many changes that are not defined or even recognized. But then what happens after that? Because now I have to be successful human being. And if I'm not taught that, then what? how am I going to be successful? This makes yeah, no sense because some children, and yeah. we were talking about uh, pipelines, they're affluent neighborhood. They have strong pipelines. There are things. Yeah, the success. Uh, uh, yeah, I talked, about, I talked about credit. I was talking about somebody like, yeah, I, this is some years ago. I was like, yeah, I got my stuff together, whatever. And he looking at me like, what's bad credit? Mm-hmm. And I was like, like hmm. the internship programs that they were just grandfathered into yes, privilege I mean, pipelines, affinity and different little programs of privilege, right? Well, think about their norms, financial resources. Think, think about their norms, though. They don't yeah. even know, like the Delmar Divide. There are people, like, and we're speaking about the street. Divide. It's called the Delmar Boulevard. And mm-hmm. on one side of Delmar, it's close to Forest Park. It's more affluent. It's, you can't be there after this. If you were black and when I was little, you can't be out there past dark. It just, it was like a sundown town. It was really like that. And not from the people. It was from the police. It was just that. What are you doing over here? But on the other side, close towards the city. To, Standing there, in the same spot. It is. It's literally, that I would say, just look five, to the left. It's not even five miles. It's not even five miles between the most, uh, almost the most rich county in this city. Median and the housing most is like 475,000, I want to say. Easy. Versus, I think it's like 30,000. No, it's just about, it's roughly close to 20, 25. It's less median. than $1,000. of Yeah, it's less than median. Everybody in there, because most people over there don't have jobs. Okay. So you gotta think I, watched, about I was talking about based on the BC report. So it's, okay. it's probably been up, look probably up been the updated. BC report on Delmar yeah. Divide, but there's so many other versions too. I like the BBC one personally. Yeah, but this one is this was in alive in color in my face, and we talked mm-hmm. about stories. This was something that I actually was able to live, and it's still here Let's, now today. But they say you have more opportunity. But if I don't know that opportunity is even there. Like I say, his norms was different than my norms. Yeah. I talked to him about, yeah, I got this done. Look at, and he was like, what's that? We don't do that because he was taught from a young age that this is how, this is the path to success. That this is my, mm-hmm. my uncle has a, my uncle has a business that I might go work for over the summertime. Option. Or my cousin, we're going to Chicago in our, this house. Or we're going to my, the beach down here. And I didn't travel until I was 18. There, there are certain things that we see that are norms on both sides that have to be understood. He didn't know. He didn't yeah, know what I was talking so, about. For you to be successful and to have just really, I have to just take my hat off to you. Really, yeah. to the work, the mental health work that's hard. And despite like adversity, I just hate to use an overused term, but really, you are the example of that. And really, there's no excuse, but there are excuses. Sometimes. Yeah, there are excuses. we're trying to say. There's well, no, could, but there are excuses. One of the yeah. things that I, I say I work that's the indigenous group. And one of the things that we've talked about, she's working on a, they call it a longhouse project. So in okay. Native American cultures, they have community centers 
And the goal that we're working on the next couple of years is to build a cohort of 25 BIPOC women to participate in the Longhouse Project and help them develop skills in hemp cultivation and production. Because that business industry is intended to grow something like $16 billion in the next oh, eight years. Oh, it's going to be here. Wow. And wow, wow, wow. what's the key to generational wealth? Entrepreneurship. If we get 25 Absolutely. women to build businesses, we have to put in the places to like fund that. But then- yes. If we do that, does it help immediately? Maybe a little, but the next generation, like you're talking about, there's seven businesses they can work at. I think that's like, ultimately, the system works the way it was designed to. It's not broken. So what we need is a different system and we need to build it together. Yep. We got to get down to the mental models though. So that's why the anti-racism work is important. If you think about systems thinking, I'm like a Mm -hmm. systems work. But at the bottom of that iceberg analogy of system thinking are the mental models. So we can be at the top of the iceberg all day long. Yeah. What are we doing? We're putting band-aids on. on. Right. And causing unintended consequences with things that we think are helping better hindering. Yeah. Haven't got to the core mental models. Do you have an example of a mental model that you recommend or? So the mental model is just basically you have to go through your work. Mm. So because we're all socialized, all of us, right? Mm. Like we're socialized and get all these messages that kind of just determine all these things we think about the world, right? Mm. Because we're, unless we all do our self-work and try to break down those biases and the things that we were taught through that hidden curriculum, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to always rely and go right back to what we were taught in probably our home. And the kind of music that we listen to, it all goes back to child psychology. Child and adolescent psychology is huge. Those things that are cultivated around us and how we're socialized, it's almost impossible to break out of if you don't constantly do the work and recognize it in yourself. So, for example, let's take a non-race example. Let's say that someone is getting colds all the time, like they're getting sick all the time. I used to use this example with my class, but they're always sick. It's a woman, a white woman. She's always sick. She's trying to figure out why is she getting all these colds all the time? So she starts to just think of things, right? If you start going those lower levels of the iceberg, she starts to think and look at patterns like, oh, I seem to be sick during this time of the month and I'm really busy. I do these reports. Maybe it's because I'm not getting enough sleep. So she goes mm-hmm. lower, right? And then why am I get, not getting a lot, a lot of sleep? I was taught in my home that working as a woman, working is so important. It establishes my identity. And so I tend to overwork and not establish boundaries. So you have to do your work, which requires analyzing what's on the surface, but going lower. Keep on going. It's messy. Just like school suspension and expelling kids. That was a Band-Aid. You guys are putting a Band-Aid at the top of the iceberg when the mental model is maybe all these kids are late for school. That's why you're suspending them because they don't like to stand on the bus stop because it's not safe. Right. Mm. People are getting shot. Go deeper. Yeah. Mm. Oh, those kids are always late for school. Why? So now you're going to send them and then the cycle can get worse. Actually investigate it. Don't just go with the first assumption that comes to your mind. Right. It's always going to fill what fits your what fits you what you were talking about. Confirmation bias. Yeah. This is what people do. They say we tried. They're yeah. like, we, we tried. We yeah. tried to help. Yeah, okay. That's like saying, okay, I tried to barbecue this, but it needs to be broiled. Like, you tried to cook it, but that was wrong. And yeah, now it you was said, wrong. Well, but what's yeah. next? Yeah. yeah. Do you want to well, solve I, the problem or do you want to check a box? I That's what a difference. Say you did. And they did something. You, you hit it. Yeah. So if you do, just want to check a box, 
You're just going to put a DEI statement in your mission statement. You'll just put and keep DEI. moving. Yes. And, we'll be and you won't fund the position. I used yeah. to bother me. There was a school system here and they didn't fund their diversity and equity person. This was eight years ago. And I was so upset. I was like, do you understand? Like, look at a thing you actually care about, like your finances. How many people do you pay to manage that? Let's see like, it on paper. Like if, yep. if you think diversity and inclusion is important. Mm-hmm. Let me see your stat. What are you doing to fund it? Because. I know you think money is important because you do a lot to fund that. The process companies wonder why they can't retain a, a diverse customer or consumer because yeah. you guys are faking it. Bring somebody in that's going to really show you the data and look at the numbers and really do some reform that's changing people. And that requires coaching. Coaching changes behavior. Absolutely. Yeah. Consulting does not. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you got to get to the mental models. That's the behavior. The real go. behavior. I could talk to you guys all day. We'll have to do this again. Oh, it was yes, so yes. great. And so tell people, I'm the, I'm sure folks are going to listen. They're like, I want to know how to find out more. I want to get involved. I want to listen to your podcast. So what's the best way for that to happen? So our the website is going to be the best. It's going to house everything. So re- redefine, remember, not dismantle, redefinethepipeline.org. Dot com will just redirect you. So you can put dot com. Just remember, redefine the pipeline and sign up for my blog. It's called The Anti-Racist Advocate. I think it's, again, it's led based on stories. So just Mm -hmm. trying to make the hidden just at the surface so we can all do our work. And then our Ratchet Scholars podcast will also house on the website. It'll be coming out in a few months, probably like three, by summer. We really want it to be Yeah, by summer. I don't think it's going to be so long. It's just the fact that we've been developing this. And yeah, but Ratchet Scholars is going to be exactly what it says. You want to be able to keyword that Ratchet Scholars. That's exciting. That's going to be so fun. I thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Oh, this is for the time flew past. No, really, we have to come back.